0: on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets. Now they are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. I'm a feminist, but the other day my taxi driver who was taking me from Chicago to the airport so I could fly here to Toronto was a woman. And I felt pretty annoyed because it meant I had to lift my own heavy suitcase into the boot of the car. And she didn't get out, and she didn't offer to get out. And why should she? She hasn't got any better upper body strength than me. She shouldn't. She shouldn't get out. But I was there like, Ew! it was snowing in Chicago. I was like, Ew! and I was thinking, you know what, I support women taxi drivers so hard. I love a female taxi driver. But maybe they could bring a bag man who just sits in the front, just in case for an airport. And he should not be paid because of the history of the world and the patriarchy. He should just be there to lift my bag. Men should have to do it on a voluntary basis like jury duty. Bag men. If I were running Canada, I would bring in jury-duty-style bag men for female taxi drivers. This is why I should be not
1: elected your prime minister. I agree with that, though. I'm a feminist, but I only get mad if male Uber drivers don't get out to get my luggage. Like, if it's a female Uber driver and she tries to lift my luggage, I'm like, ma'am, stop. (laughs) Hold on a second, sir. Come here. (laughs) Oh, what? You were waiting for an Uber, too? Who cares? (laughs) I'll pick up this
0: bag. But if a man Uber driver didn't get out of the car, you'd be like, get up."
1: Oh, I deduct a star, quick. Oh! Stardom. Stardom. Do you want to do another one? Sure, I'll go. Oh, this is, we were just talking about money. I'm a feminist, but I, I, um, I always want to use his money. Um, (laughs) It's like my savings account is getting bigger and bigger because I I keep using his.
0: (laughs) You look so happy about that. (laughs) Is it possible that's why you have such a big tax bill? (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I'm currently watching the Netflix show, You, which is about a male stalker and his female victim who has no idea she's being stalked by him and is falling for him. They're in a romantic... they're not really in a romantic relationship, but she feels like they're in a romantic relationship. And sometimes, because he is the narrator, and it's from his point of view, and because of the way stories work, I catch myself briefly emotionally rooting for him (laughs) to hide the evidence of the terrible things he's done from her. Because, like, she'll come into his apartment and you can see all of the evidence that, you know, he's got her old phone that he's stolen. I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, he's got, you can imagine, this is a stalker. This is not a spoiler. He's got bits and bobs, like a T-shirt, things she shouldn't have. And then he, like, passionately kisses her. And then behind her back, he's trying to push T-shirts under a sofa or whatever, putting a phone under a cushion. And I, of course, because I'm watching a story, I'm going, oh my God, she nearly saw that. Quickly, kick it under the sofa. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's a dangerous man. But it's irresponsible that it's from his point of view. Why is it from the white man's point of view? I don't understand. But also I'm really enjoying it, so don't tell me what happens. (laughs) I was just about to say, you're on season one. (laughs) I've just started season one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, they. I think they added a feminist to the writers' room. Um. Oh, today is season two more feminist. For season two, I'm just saying I don't want to spoil
2: it.
0: Because um. I'm. I mean, I'm not saying it's not feminist. I haven't seen enough of it yet to know. But there is that thing where you're going. Oh, it's interesting. We're seeing it from his point of view. I think they've done it deliberately because normally you see it from the victim's point of view—a stalker film or something like that, a thriller. So it is interesting. But also, I'm like, stop rooting for the bad man. <laughs>
1: um, okay in terms of rooting for men on film I'm a feminist but I feel like in the Titanic movie I know it's old um, I feel like in the Titanic movie Rose could have moved over and made room for Jack (laughs) I also feel like it was a very white woman thing to do (laughs) <laughs> like take up the whole door I feel like a woman of color would have been like we can both make it It <laughs> was like a white woman was like well where would I put my petticoat <laughs> bye Jack
0: <laughs> you, you may have a point However, I feel, when we get equal representation in the media and they close that pay gap, they can have half the door. <laughs> Up until that point, the door's ours, ladies. I'm a feminist, but when I got to Canadian immigration, I was worried because I've never officially worked in Canada before. I mean, I've never worked in Canada before. And, In any capacity, official or unofficial, there's anyone in from immigration... Anyway. Um, There was a male immigration officer, and you know how they kind of do that thing of, like, you're working here, and I'd never worked here before, and I was like, oh, yes, I'm sorry, yes. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, you get that feeling that they're going to send you back, and they're going to go, this piece of paper means nothing. We don't want you here. Um, Because I'd just been in America, and... (laughs) ..where you have to say, blessed be the fruit... (laughs) ..before you before you get to the next stage. (laughs) And you say it, because you know, a girl's got to eat. So, (laughs) Andrew's his eye. Um, (laughs) Sorry, it's just an instinct now. Um, So I was like nervous, and the guy looked down at the sheet, the immigration officer, who was a man, looked down at the sheet, and then he went, oh, you're the Guilty Feminist, like the podcast? I know that podcast and he went and I don't know many podcasts I'm not a podcast guy but I know the guilty feminist and he was like where are you performing and I said Danford's music hall and he went that's a great venue and he was so nice and I was just like oh my god marry me <laughs> I was, like, crushing on him so hard. I was like, do you want to come to the show? It's tonight. And he went, oh, I would, but I have to work tomorrow. And I was like, that's a whole different day. He's like, I have to work in the morning, so I can't go out tonight. I was like, no, I don't understand what you're saying. I was like, you come out tonight, then you go to work. Marry me. Because an immigrant... Canada is so charming. It's so polite, so charming, that the the man at immigration knows your feminist podcast
1: and admires it. I think it's great. I just wish he left one thing out. What's that? I wish that he didn't say, I don't listen to many podcasts. No, that just makes it more flattering, though, because if he listens to all the podcasts... If he listens to all the podcasts and still said, but the guilty feminist podcast is the one I like, then... But some t- you know how guys say, I don't think women are funny, but you... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> listen to podcasts but yours but if he said i've heard every podcast ever made (laughs) and the guilty feminist that's my podcast i do see what you're saying and also i'm going to beg you
0: not to take this from me I'm just going to say, take your sexy moment with the immigration (laughs) man. Who, by the way, if you're listening, sir, and I know that you are,
2: (laughs) I'm on Instagram,
1: slide into my (laughs) DMs. I feel like I just cock blocked. (laughs) And I apologize. (laughs) It's. (laughs) Uh, do you have you got another one I forgot another one you know, I'm loving it I'm a feminist but I think boyfriend fit jeans are more superior than any other fit jeans ever <laughs> I feel like they should just call them male privilege jeans <laughs> and I want every single pair um <laughs>
0: Live from the Danforth Music Hall in Toronto, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist, with me, no, Frances wife, guest for Hosea Johnson, and a very special guest, Buzzalla Doctor, talking about Mad as Hell. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White, with me is Zainab Johnson, and we're talking about being mad as hell! I may have mispronounced
1: your name, we might have to do it all again. <laughs> can, just,
0: can you just say your surname?
1: Zainab. No, no, your surname. Yeah, we don't say that in America. <laughs> Speak my language. Oh, sorry, last name? Last name. Oh, you just say surname? No. <laughs> oh, we say Surname. They're, they're, Lady name. Yeah, no, there's so many things I've had to learn. The first time I left the country, they were like, you're here for holiday? I was like, what? It's not Christmas. <laughs> Johnson. Oh, I did say it right then. Yeah. The
0: re- I thought it was Johnson, but they've written it here as Johnson. And I thought, <laughs> I'm sure it was Johnson before, but maybe, you know what, sometimes you, you see what you expect to see. So I thought, maybe it's always been Johnsonum. and I misread it so I said Johnson and then went I'm going to have to clarify have you had a feminist week or a guilty week do you reckon
1: I think I'm always having a feminist week
0: (laughs) I love that yeah take
1: no shit
0: take no shit take no prisoners (laughs) absolutely I'm loving it thank you so much for coming to do this Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming show Upload
1: uh sure it is um created by greg daniels who created the american office um you guys didn't care about that Um,
2: (laughs) did he do anything on the canadian office
0: (laughs) or in fact breakfast television (laughs) they're very big fans the whole lot of them It's, it's what they do they people who aren't home at breakfast they record it they watch it
1: at dinner time big fans uh, no, but we actually taped it in Vancouver, so hey, Canada! You're taping in Vancouver. We taped it in Vancouver for three and a half months. Your tax incentives are so
0: excellent. Is that Justin Trudeau or does that predate him? Predates him. Mm, okay. Much, much like Blackface. I was always crushing on him on this show. I definitely would have mentioned him. I would have done an I'm a feminist but about him on breakfast television, but,
1: no. I never thought he was that fine, to be honest with you. I'm like, that's just a regular white guy.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, I hear that. Regular white guy, but very handsome world leader. If you get all the world leaders together, they're not normally hot. It's not a calendar.
1: I think most times, with, like, very few exceptions, when you add world leader to the title, it makes them unattractive immediately. I know what you mean, because they've got to be megalomaniacs. Yeah.
0: Do you know what? A psychiatrist once told me. There were two psychiatrists chatting. It sounds like a joke, but it's real. <laughs> um, they were, one of the psychiatrists was married to a friend of mine. Anyway, they were all sitting around. I have to explain that. I'm a feminist, but... Don't worry, the psychiatrist is neither a woman nor a friend of mine. (laughs) We were sitting around giddily as wives, and uh, we overheard their conversation. We were talking about world leaders, and they said, oh, well, our world leader at the time, Gordon Brown, they said, oh, yeah, well, he's a sociopath. And I said, what? How do you... They said, oh, all world leaders are sociopaths. They kind of have to be. And they said, we're not saying he's like a man who sits in a van at the front of your house. We're saying that in order to lead a country, you need to think your opinion is vastly superior to other people's and not be affected when they make this face. Mm. (laughs) Because you're going to see a lot of this face. Mm. Are you sure? Are you sure? And most people are too affected by that face to be a world leader. So you have to be a sociopath to be... A president or a prime minister and I was like my god that's so fascinating
1: yeah also he probably has somebody chopped up in his car
0: <laughs> are you saying that Justin Trudeau has about- because I have only just got my working visa here I, I do not want it to be revoked all I'm saying Jacinda Ardern discuss I don't think she's a sociopath I think she's a regular compassionate person.
1: I would not disagree with that.
0: I think she's the one. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It's possible she's the messiah. (laughs) She's come to save us. It's probably too much pressure. It's too much pressure. Either she's the messiah or the baby she gave birth to while in power is the messiah. Because that happened very quickly. I think it was immaculate. (laughs) Let's be honest... Which couple, where, you, you know, where you've both got jobs, has time to have sex? Much less running a country. If you were running New Zealand, how many sex nights a year would you get? <laughs> All I'm saying, immaculate conception. That baby is the Messiah. It's only a theory. You're looking at me like, who got me into this podcast? <laughs> I'm calling my manager.
1: I do not really think that's a... No, I don't. I'm happy to be here. I just don't like to... <laughs> no, I'm happy to be here. I just stay off Immaculate Conception topics. Just that. that is just that. that Sorry, was... that
0: was on your rider. I've just seen it. No mention of the Immaculate Conception. I've blown it already. I've blown it already. <laughs> what are you mad as hell about at the moment? Is there anything that's really bugging you
1: you know what's really bugging me actually I think it's because you know we started a new year and like you gotta get your taxes ready I don't know how it is here but I feel like the two things that matter as an adult are the very two things that they don't teach you in school Mm -hmm. like they don't teach you about politics and they don't teach you about taxes and those are like the only two things you need (laughs) that's so true as an adult yeah yeah
0: I've seen so many of my friends online going, I've come to a cafe to do my taxes, and I've just drunk coffee and cried.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you're
0: right. They don't teach taxes, like they teach calculus. Yeah. Taxes should be first. Yeah. Because very few
1: specialists use calculus, but we all use taxes. Exactly. My accountant explained it to me 17 times, and I was like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I hear that. I don't want to pay that much money. (laughs)
0: Well, I actually am happy to pay tax if it's spent on not an Iranian war. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, That's my thing. Please, come and take away half my earnings in a wheelbarrow if you're going to spend it on schools and hospitals and public services and redistribute some of my wealth to people who have no other way of getting it, but at the moment, I live in the United Kingdom, and that is run by Boris Johnson. Appropriate pantomime response. (laughs) And we're spending that money on leaving the European Union for no reason, and basically every penny of tax I pay until I die now will be paying off an exit fee. You know when you get an exit fee from your bank for leaving? It's like that, but it will be till the end of time. Wait, you get an exit fee for leaving a bank? I don't want to break this to you now. You're already too upset about the taxes. Feminist, if you will, but don't worry. After this evening, your cheers will be right there. They'll be feminists from the gut. It's not a cult. Lock the doors. It's, I do sometimes worry about it, because I was in a cult when I was younger. Many of you know that I was, uh, I was a Jehovah's Witness, and it's a very high-control group. And uh, so I really worry. I just think people who've been in cults can accidentally start them. Because it's sort of in your DNA. It's just sort of how you see the world. You suddenly go, oh shit, I've started a cult accidentally. But it's not, this is not a cult. Because I think a useful definition of of the word cult, I wasn't gonna go here at all, but it's just happened. A useful definition of the word cult is any group who won't let you leave with your dignity intact. Meghan Markle. (laughs) All I'm saying. Wants to come home. <laughs> and it's so weird actually that the British press have response they keep saying, well, it's going to be very, very difficult for Meghan and Harry to extricate themselves from their royal duty. It's going to be very, very complicated. They don't realise how complicated. I'm like, they- what? <laughs> They're visiting hospitals in tasteful outfits. They're not running the National Health Service. <laughs> just, what are they doing? Like <laughs> I'm saying they're doing nothing. Actually, I think the royal, you know, I'm, I'm not a monarchist at all, but the royal family do, they have these engagements every single day. Like some people go, oh, they just eat chocolate and on a pile of dogs.
2: But they don't, they don't. They actually
0: do have a quite busy schedule. I've watched the crown. Sometimes I have to go to the regions to look at a disaster and try to cry. Um, and they can't, they the truck can't, can't get the tears out because of the, um, yeah. of course can't get the tears out so she's an expert at tears out and that's caused competition right away because everyone else in the family is British and then a royal and have had to stifle their tears from a very young age, six months I think six months a, 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 if, when you're a royal baby you've got six full months to cry and then it's just button it up kid we don't do that here and you are just make the mouth tighter and tighter and tighter that that's the thing about that accent, it's right up the front of the mouth. And you put all the air, push it out, push it out mouth. It's, if you want to do it, it's just like, it's just, it's just right up the front. Right, right, right up the front. And then just make it very wide and tight and right up the front. And just do it. the rest of the mouth doesn't need to be involved at all. Doesn't turn the tongue. Tip the tongue. There's no need for any vulgar back mouth action. No, 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 no you just have to look like you could not physically possibly give a blowjob. It <laughs> wouldn't be possible, it wouldn't, it not be possible if medically, medically, you know like Prince Andrew can't sweat medically. The rest of them, the rest of them that I wouldn't be able to fit my name. Not after the lunch I've had. If you're here for the first time, You're very welcome into our lovely Guilty Feminist Tribe. Um, We like to think we're something of an army. Uh, So thank you for coming. Uh, I think a lot of the success of it is live audiences, because I think if it was just like three or four comedians and activists in a studio, you'd think, oh, yeah, they're all doing it and talking about it. But I think it's honestly, the success of it is you can hear the audience laughing, enforcing, getting angry, and you think, hey, I'm really not alone. There's hundreds of women, thousands of women, and people of minority genders, and cis men, some. Just give us a cheer if you've come tonight and you're a cisgendered man. Okay, now, if you're a straight cisgendered man. Right, two, you see, we've got a massive, a massive gay following. It's not my fault I'm a gay icon. It's just what happens if you're a mouthy woman with a microphone and a taste for red shoes. I'm not wearing them tonight, but I am metaphorically. I've got a red shoe energy, whether I wear them or not, it's just what happens. But if you are a straight cisgendered man, welcome. Sorry, I don't mean to point at you as if I know that you are, but the way you went, thank you. I'm getting a much better Spidey sense for where they are. Thank you for coming. Um, do you listen to the show? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Some people would say you need to listen to it more than other people. I'm not saying that, but I am saying there's an argument. There's an argument, sir. A little bit, are you, are you here with a partner or a friend? You're here with your wife, do you listen to it? Yeah. Yeah. Does he overhear it? Because you play it loudly and you've said, maybe you can come to this. So this is sort of, the reason your wife has brought you here, sir, is you need to learn. That's, that's clear to all of us. You're the only one that wasn't clear to. Would you call yourself a feminist, sir? Oh, he's paused for a long time there. His wife's going, yes, say yes. That'll She told you this wouldn't happen, didn't she? She said, it's fine, it's fine. She's like, third row, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. She guaranteed you this wouldn't happen. Sorry, what's your name? Chris, yeah. Chris, she told you, sorry, she, what's your name? Micah. Micah, Micah. So you're basically Mrs. Micah. Micah's, Micah's husband. (laughs) Micah's husband. Uh, Would you call yourself a feminist? Yes, this time he has answered quickly. I'm going on a breakfast show tomorrow. It's a breakfast television show. Does anyone know what I'm going on? Breakfast, <laughs> breakfast. Is there only one breakfast television? Oh. Oh, it's literally one thing. Okay. Well, the I'm going on the only thing I can go on in Canada, apparently. It's a big country. Are you sure there's not? More? different names. Well, I don't know what mine's called. Does anyone know what mine's called? But is it called that? Because I just called it that. I don't know. I don't know. You've got a show called Breakfast Television that's so literal. They normally call things like Good Morning Canada or Hello Toronto or Coffee Vancouver, aren't they? Aren't they called things like that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going on something tomorrow. We'll find out what... Uh, to talk about the book uh, and these shows. So the book's just come out. It's called The Guilty Feminist. If anyone brought one tonight, I'll sign copies in the foyer at the end. Uh, If you don't have a book, but you'd like me to sign a body part or a... Sometimes people come up with a copy of A Room of One's Own or something like that, and I'm like, sure.
3: Sure.
2: Sure. let hear some stand comedy! Yeah! Then put your hands together and make incredible
0: Toronto woo noises for the wonderful Zaynab Johnson!
1: Hey Toronto! <laughs> this is actually my first time in Toronto. Um... <laughs> Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm for, born and raised in New York, and I hear that um, the Toronto is the New York of Canada. So, yeah, you guys are ambitious. Um, it was a trick. I'm sorry. My first time here. It was my first time getting um, a nuclear alert on my phone. <laughs> And then it was my first time getting an apology. (laughs) For that nuclear (laughs) (laughs) alert. You know what's so crazy about it is, the alerts both were sent so early in the morning. I didn't wake up until about two o'clock this afternoon (laughs) because my phone is always on silent. So when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I could die? Oh no, I can't die. (laughs) Then I realized you'd already be dead. Cause you were late. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. It is cold. It is, it is very cold. I'm happy I got my braids in my hair. This is a, yeah. I'm happy you guys are on board with this. This is something doesn't seem like white people understand. All the years and all the black women, you guys are still like, but how? (laughs) I've gone through like so many different hairstyles. Like, I remember I had a shaved head, like completely shaved, and I loved it. But what I didn't know was that like women who saw me, they put so much pressure on me. Like, me just having a shaved head, they were like, yeah, you put the female revolution on your back. Like, they would come up to me so inspired, like, wow, you must feel so free, so spiritually lifted. I was like, it was Tuesday and I didn't feel like doing my hair. (laughs) So I shaved it off. (laughs) This one woman, she didn't stop. She was like, but you must feel so empowered. I was like, or lazy. She was one. Then I had an afro. I still have an afro when it's not like this, it's an afro, which I absolutely love. The afro is very, like, militant, you know. I'm from New York. I wear all black. I have an afro. I look like I protest for fun. <laughs> People are like, what are you doing today? I'm like, looking for a corporation to boycott. <laughs> Afro is, like, you know, so strong. Like, just the image of it, when you think about, like, a black woman with an afro, you think of Angela Davis, you think of, like, powerful women, you know, sometimes... Yeah, yeah, like, it, sometimes it just doesn't help with, like, my dating life. Like, sometimes I think I look too strong for guys. Like, a guy will see me and think, like, oh, I'm attracted to her, but she looks like she reads books. <laughs> She looks like if we had sex, I'd have to respect her in the morning. (laughs) It's like, yes, you do. Um, It's very hard to be a hoe with an afro. It's hard. I've tried it. I've tried to send, like, late-night texts to guys, like, booty calls. I'm like, hey, you up? They're like, yeah, Z, did somebody get shot? Is there a march? I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just trying to fuck. They're like, fuck up the man, right? I'm like, <sighs> okay, let's, let's go march. <laughs> I actually, I remember when I had a shaved head, I dated a barber. Um, I don't know if I had a shaved head and dated, well, I don't know what came first, but it happened. And of course, I didn't pay for him to cut my hair. Because in my mind, I was like, listen, I can't pay you $30 to cut my hair. And then you take me to the movies with my $30. <laughs> <So. laughs> and I know, <laughs> I know that, <laughs> that sounds unfair, right? Um, but I think that there are so many more unfair things in the world. Like I think it's unfair that for women, like people use our age against us. You know, like society all over the world has made a woman answer, how old are you, like this. How old do I look? And inside we're like, please say younger than I am. But I think like at every age we should be proud. Like, I love saying I'm 35, I love it. Especially because like human trafficking is so high right now. They are taking these young girls. And it's scary, but I'm 35. I've never felt more safe. When a white van pulls up next to my car, I'm like, I'm 35. And the kidnapper's like, oh ma'am, I'm so sorry. Go right ahead. I'm like, that's a polite criminal. I ran that joke past somebody. I'm happy y'all laughed because (laughs) she was like, I get it, but don't tell it. (laughs) Clearly, I don't listen. Uh, I'm hard headed. That's what my mom would say. I feel like my mom is like the ultimate feminist. Um, My mom had 13 kids. Yeah, like, you know, I should say, I need to stop saying my mom. My parents have 13 kids. <laughs> but it's like my mom did all the work, so she should get the credit. Um, I personally feel like 13 is too much. <laughs> I'm the fifth kid, and I feel like she could have stopped at four. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Ma, you didn't have any friends. I feel like a good girlfriend would have been like, "Girl, you're doing too much." <laughs> a lot of kids. That's a lot. Thirteen. That's too many. We grew up in New York. We grew up Muslim. Any Muslims? Yeah, yeah. That's all I like. Um. Did it get weird? Um, <laughs> I feel like the Muslims were like, "Is this okay?" And the non-Muslims were like, "Is this okay?" <laughs> It's okay. (laughs) Uh, My my mom is so funny. My last name is Johnson, right? Which Zainab and Johnson don't really go together. Um, Zainab is very Islamic, it's a very Islamic name. Uh, Middle Eastern men, they get excited. When they hear my name, they get excited. They're like, (laughs) Zainab. Because it catches them off guard. They're like, yeah, that's a black woman. And then they hear Zainab. They're like, Zainab, Zainab. That is my mother's name. <laughs> it's an esteemed name. Johnson doesn't go with Zainab, but it saves me like when I'm going through like TSA, airport security. Thank God for the Johnson, because they look at the Zaynap, they're like, should we stop her? Johnson? Oh, she's probably just going to Atlanta. <laughs> Which I probably am. <laughs> so here's the thing. So it's 13 of us. Half of us are named Johnson, but the other half are Abdul Rahim, which is a Muslim last name, right? So here's what happened. My parents converted, right? Before we were ever born. But like halfway into the kids, my parents were like, let's legally change our names. So they go to City Hall in New York and they go and say, hey, we're Muslim. We want to change our kids' names. And the lady behind the desk was like, that's wonderful, it's gonna cost a trillion dollars. (laughs) How Muslim are you? (laughs) And my parents were like, we'll just start new with the rest of the kids. (laughs) Now it's like a feud between the siblings, like whenever my little sister does something, we're like, I don't know, she's an Abdul Rahim, like I don't know (laughs) what's going on in their brains. I was in second grade when my mom had the 10th kid. And I was like, this gotta stop. (laughs) I didn't know if my dad was like making her. I was like, mommy blink twice. We'll get you out of here. But no, my mom wanted 20. (laughs) I feel like you just said a prayer for her vagina. <laughs> you went, oh. <laughs> that sounded like a He Man laugh. <laughs> I asked my mom to get her tubes tied when I was in second grade. I have no idea how I found out about tube tying in second grade. <laughs> I must have been so fed up, I sat in front of a bunch of encyclopedias and was like, there has to be an answer. Or maybe I overheard like the gossip and lunch lady say, if Ms. Johnson enrolls one more of those kids in the free lunch program, I'm going to take her to the clinic myself. I don't know how I found out. But when I did, I was like, great, there's a solution. And I ran home to my mom and I was like, mom, get your tubes tied. And my mother said the craziest thing to me. She says, Zainab, baby, I'm not going to get my tubes tied. Me and your father... We might not make it. I'm gonna marry another man and I'm going to have his children. I was like, this chick is confident. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna have to break the news to my mom. That's not how dating works. There are no eligible bachelors out there looking for a divorcee with 10 dependents like, I'm so sorry. You got to stay with daddy. (laughs) You have to stay. I am Muslim, which I like. Um, I didn't like it as a kid. It didn't make sense to me. Um, I was in school with a bunch of non-Muslim kids. And it just, I don't know. I, I remember going home to my mom one year and saying, Mom, something happens, they put up a tree and then people get gifts. And then like a couple of months later, something happens with a rabbit and some eggs and they get more gifts. I was like, you make us not eat for 30 days. <laughs> and then we get one gift. I'm just, I just want to know who chose this. <laughs> I was like, where's religion, human resources? Who can I talk to? to change this. <laughs> now as an adult, though, I really, I, I really love it. Um, I love fasting during Ramadan. I'm very strict. It makes my skin look amazing. Like, yeah, like, you know, the five pillars, but I mean the skin. <laughs> I want to hear God, but I want to glow. Um, <laughs> this one woman, she stopped me during Ramadan one year. She was like, I am so sorry, what do you use on your skin? And I was like, God, (laughs) you should try it. (laughs) Actually, um, I went to court a little while ago. I had to testify for my brother. Um, And when I took the stand, the bailiff said to me, he said, Miss Johnson, out of respect for your religious beliefs, you don't have to swear on the Bible you can affirm on another book. And I had no idea that they did that. All the episodes of Law & Order I watched, I never saw that episode. (laughs) I was like, thank you so much. I was like, that's so considerate. Thank you so much. I was like, but you could bring out any book you want. I don't plan on telling the truth anyway. (laughs) Thank you. I was like, I'm sorry, that's not why I came here. (laughs) I came here to get him out. So, <laughs> I promise to tell you what I practiced.
2: <laughs>
1: Matter of fact, um, since I'm going to be lying, go ahead, bring out the Bible. Um... <laughs> that is always the response. It's like, <laughs> oh, now hold on saying that. <laughs> I do love being Muslim. Um, I just don't like when people try and convert me. I don't like it. Um, I used to argue with my ex-boyfriend. He used to say to me all the time, Zainab, I really want to marry you, but I need you to be Christian. And I was like, I really want to marry you too, but I need you to be financially stable. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, I don't know how you grew up, but whoever makes the most money, that's who chooses the religion. I'm Zaynab, you guys. Thank you. Zaynab Johnson, everybody!
0: Just a quick break in the podcast to say that we have Patreon now. Because we used to be able to sell tickets to live events, we never asked the audience for help before. But now in order to keep making the podcast, we need your help. If you join our Patreon from as little as £2.50 a month, you'll get some extra content and goodies and our everlasting appreciation. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash guiltyfeminist. Every day at 6pm British summertime, I do the new normal on Instagram live at the Guilty Feminist with some incredible guests. And you can see the ones we've already done on Instagram television or YouTube. If you'd like me to make a video for you, or for one of your friends for their birthday or a pep talk or anniversary, anything like that, please go to the Cameo app and find me. All of the proceeds go to Choose Love Help Refugees. And so far we've made about three grand for them. So we're very excited. Please keep it coming. And now, back to the podcast. (laughs) Zainab just asked... I didn't know if I was gonna get a light. So in a comedy club, they give you a light to say, hey, you've got two minutes left or whatever, your time's up. And then another one to say, your time's totally up. But I really can't run a show where a man at the back of the room shines a light in a woman's face, which means shut the fuck up. Sorry.
1: That's You just reminded me of something. So, (laughs) you're like, did I? (laughs) Wait, do I have time to say this? Yeah. Okay, so um, last night I was at a comedy club. I did four shows at Comedy Pro? Bar. I hope they're not in here. Um, (laughs) So after I did my first set, I got off stage, and a male comedian in the back of the show was like, you should say this. Oh oh, if only they'd been (laughs) there. He said, you should say this. He was like, you should say that Toronto is like New York, except you guys still have all your buildings. What? Yeah, he thought he was giving me a good joke. And so my reaction, you know how you lean in and I did exactly what you did. I just gave him silence. I was like okay so then the next show I go up on stage and I tell the story and I tell the joke that he said and the audience responded the same way and I was like yeah that was my response I'm happy now that he knows he's terrible (laughs) wow Awesome. But then the nerve of him, you know, that would be enough to make any man go home and reevaluate his life, right? He comes to me after the second show. Oh, I know where this is going, I think. Tell me. He says, he he says, that was so funny when you talked about me.
0: (laughs) Oh no, it's much more arrogant than what I thought. I thought he was going to say, I don't think you landed it right, it's the way you delivered it. What he said was, it was even better than the crass joke that I arrogantly gave you. You were talking about me, that's all I heard. People heard me, and then they made a ha-ha noise. I'm somehow funny. Wow.
1: Wow, 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 wow. I wish I knew his name so we could really tear him apart. <laughs> I kind of love that you don't care what his
2: name is. <laughs>
0: like, I don't know if he even had a name. Yeah, he did It's <laughs> <laughs> Was that chain of comedy clubs called the Comedy Bar? Yeah, that's like breakfast television. <laughs> you name things here it's like that's what it is it's comedy in a bar bar. (laughs) what should we call it the giggle factory (laughs) the laugh house I I just don't think it needs that kind of embellishment let's call it the comedy bar we'll advertise it on breakfast television (laughs) do you have any more things like that that we should know about it's like a wow well, anything else that's like a too obvious name, it's just like a literal. Theatre sports?
1: Beer store. Beer
2: store. School.
1: Like school, like going to school? No, store. store. Like, yeah, beer like you, store. Yeah, you oh. wanna buy beer? We got a beer store. <laughs>
0: literally a store for beer wow wow Canada
1: Canada you gotta get a little bit more poetical (laughs) it was too literal I like the simplicity of names you know (laughs) Sometimes we get too complicated like if you see like a sign that says like ampersand and it's like do you sell shirts or coffee like what do you do you know like sometimes yeah. they try to make it too abstract and it's like yeah,
0: yeah. calm down yeah take a leaf out of canada's maple <laughs> and you know just say what you see yeah say what you see We should probably bring our guest on. Um, (laughs) Would you like to be our guest? (laughs) Our guest today is a writer, activist, and psychotherapist. Her ancestry is Indian, and she was born in Zambia. She became interested in community organizing as a teen. Uh, She dealt with environmental issues, gender violence, LGBTQ plus rights. And uh, she now works with We Speak Out, uh, a global group that is working to ban female genital cutting in her Dawudi Bora community. But she also works with the End FGM Canada Network. She has a book out about FGM. It's not out yet, but you can pre order it. And it's called Seven. Please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises. Farzana for Doctor! <laughs> Firstly, I just need to clarify, you are not a doctor. Doctor is your
1: surname. That's right. Last name. We say surname here. Oh, you do say surname in Canada, just not in America. You know what? Now I'm feeling a bit Canadian. Last
4: name. It's the name that comes last. (laughs) actually say both because we're dominated by the U.S. as well as England. Now I obey. So we, wow. we,
1: we
0: use both. It's a double colony yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. Is that why you apologize so much? Because there's two forces.
4: I think probably. I don't know. Why do we apologize so much? But we know. do. Somebody
0: told me that. Somebody told me Canadians apologize too much. And I was like, more than the Brits? Surely not. And they were like... It's, mm. it's a bad habit for sure. I think it helps with your feminism to minimise it. But what I will say is sometimes people say, you should never apologise, you should not apologise. As a woman, you shouldn't apologise. Like, if you've poured hot coffee into somebody's <laughs> lap, you absolutely should. If you just think, I've been a bit of a joke, actually, you should apologise. Mm-hmm. But you should apologise with intention, warmly, once. Mm-hmm.
4: You should not... Default
0: apologise. That's what I would say right. to all Canadians. And
4: as <laughs> and as feminists, we need to learn how to apologise very well. You know, we make so many mistakes, and we need to we need to know how to do that. And I think we're often afraid of apologising, of saying we're sorry, and we need to learn how to do that when it's really appropriate.
0: So, could you tell us a bit about uh, the End FGM Canada Network mm-hmm. and We Speak Out?
4: Yes. So. Uh, the END FGMC Canada Network is a brand new network we just started last year, in, in March we launched. And it's a group that formed because there really needs to be kind of a coordination of the very few END FGM efforts that do exist in Canada. Canada has been pretty silent on this issue very different from other countries, like the UK is pretty great in all of the various initiatives it has in terms of like training doctors and social workers and teachers about this issue and doing lots of prevention work, anyway. So in Canada we don't have much of that and so that's uh, been formed and we're looking for members and we also want people to follow us on Twitter at uh, Canada FGM. So that's the network. And then We Speak Out is one of the members of the network. And We Speak Out is very close to my heart because I joined this organization in 2015. And in 2015 was a time in India when Bora feminists, I'm from a community called Dauri Boras, which most people don't know anything about. Very small, insular cult-like, I'm not allowed to say that but I'm going to, cult-like community, there's an orthodoxy that is quite cult-like. Feminists from this community were speaking out about a form of FGM that our community unfortunately practices and I got involved and I'm so proud to be uh, part of that group. I'm a survivor of that form of female genital cutting. And it was so important to meet other feminists who could talk about this issue to make sense of all of these issues. And it eventually inspired the novel, Seven. And can you tell us a little bit about Seven? Yeah, so um, Seven is about this 40 year old woman who goes to India on a marriage saving trip with her husband. And there's a, a marriage-saving whole marriage saving trip. So yes, it's like what, the marriage is rocky. It's a bit rocky, sex is quite lukewarm uh there's been some infidelity on her part and they I'm, go I'm, I'm loving this book so far <laughs> <laughs> how much do you go into the infidelity on her part <laughs> i'm gonna you know i'm gonna rewrite it for you and put more in excellent so i'm gonna get a different edition <laughs> yes. that's just off your laptop special one for with you a little bit of
0: the first chapter's more like 50 shades of gray right.
4: that's, that's right, right that's right and so um, she goes to India thinking that she's going to be doing research about her great-great-grandfather, but she ends up uncovering bigger, deeper family secrets. So and she's,
0: she's of Indian descent? Yes.
4: Right. So that she goes to India at the time when all of this stuff is exploding in the community around FGC. And she has a cousin who's on one side of the debate and another cousin who's on the other. In our community, we have people on both sides of the debate. There are actually activists who are like um, fighting for their right to continue FGC. So I have her having... Cousin's on both sides, and she has to figure out her position.
0: Yeah, so Leila Hussein, who's been on the show, she always says she won't debate it. She's a victim of FGM as well. Mm -hmm. And she always says she won't debate it with anyone because in Britain now, I don't know, is this the same in America and Canada that on breakfast television um, or any television show, they say, well, we've got to have somebody on for balance. And she says, well, you wouldn't have a paedophile on for balance, and it's violence,
4: so I won't debate anybody who advocates violence against children? I will debate or discuss with family members, with individuals who want to have a conversation. But most of the time, the people who are on the other side are just like internet trolls. I think too, historically, there was this kind of cultural relativism thing that was going around, especially in feminist circles, and people were very afraid that, especially white women were really afraid that if they spoke about this issue, they would be seen as racist. But I think what we really need to understand, the thing that I really want feminists to understand is that FGC, FGM is like, it's not this weird thing that like weird people do, It's part of a continuum of sexual violence. It's a way of controlling women's and girls and non-binary sexuality and bodies. And it's not that different. Yes, yeah. And it's not that different from you know rape culture Mm -hmm. or femicide, right? It's just part of the same continuum of garbage. So we need to fight it.
0: So, we need our traditional guilt Feminist heckle. How can we help? What can we do? Thank you very much. Uh, how can we help? Because you have this organization, mm-hmm. uh, the End FGM Canada Network. How can everyone help with that?
4: I think um, we need to start seeing this as a regular issue. So, I'm going to get to that in a second. But I just want to say, you know, this is an issue that affects something like 200 million people on the planet. Wow. And... Every 11 seconds, somebody oh, is cut. A we need to say a prayer for our vulvas right now, Oh, right? oh. So it's so commonplace that it's probably affecting, like, someone in your school, someone at your job, someone in your neighborhood. So first of all, you need to see it like that. And then you need to question, why the hell do we not have... A national action plan in Canada to deal with this. And then, once you question that, then you'll want to join our organization and get involved in some of our activities. Thank you.
0: So, I would think reading the novel would be a great way into understanding the full issue. I uh, think so too. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure both you and your publisher agree. Now, we can pre-order the book if we go to bitbit.ly forward slash order seven and I think what you said about white people going I can't talk about that it's racist you know like it's "Ah," anything that feels cultural but Leila Hussein, who comes on the show a lot she always says it's not cultural it's violent yes you wouldn't if you heard your neighbor being beaten up you wouldn't go well it's cultural Exactly. Like, you know, exactly. you would just say someone's being violent to somebody.
4: The other thing is that we're now beginning to understand that it happens on every continent except maybe Antarctica. There was this beautiful uh, survivor named Renee Bergstrom uh, who's a white Christian American who started speaking out a few years ago. And so we also believe that this happens, but it's just not talked about. It's so taboo but it's happening amongst white Christians. Um, It's everywhere, and so it's all of our issues.
0: Do you have anything to plug that you would like us to follow,
1: look at, watch, listen to, read, think about? (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm gonna double down. I'd like people to read seven.
4: We have That's to make sure others. we follow them like, up. Uh-huh. We have to follow you. No,
1: I was going oh, to get to me.
4: We're just She's- being feminist here. <laughs> She's just saying,
1: You're welcome on my door. <laughs> There's room. <laughs> um, you guys can, of course, follow me um, on any social media site except Facebook. I hate it. Cut that out, but I do hate it. Um, leave it in. F it. Um, <laughs> Are you Zainab Johnson on all those things? Yeah, was that taking a long time to get to it? No, no, no. I just wanted to
0: make sure they knew yeah. how to spell your name.
1: Zainab Johnson. Z-A-I-N-A-B Johnson. Not um not just they Simpson. write it. <laughs> not
0: just Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Zainab yep.
1: Johnson. And I have a podcast, actually. Yeah, that you guys can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Honest Tea with Z. Um, but Honesty is spelled H-O-N-E-S-T-E-A. Uh, We prefer Honest Ted with (laughs) Zed. It's just just how we roll in these parts. Whatever you put in the search engine to bring up my voice, do it. Excellent. Uh, We will. And also, you
0: must all watch out for this new television show, which is uh, by the creator of The American Office. Uh,
1: What is it about? Um, Hmm... (laughs) I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but it takes it in place in the future, Oh. and it's called Upload, and in this future world, instead of maybe going to, the, the idea is that maybe you don't die and go to heaven, maybe we go into these virtual heavens.
0: <gasps> I hope you are allowed to say that, because you just have. I know. Uh... <laughs>
1: Don't but tell it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's a, a funny look into the very close future.
2: Ooh. Oh, well, we
0: are all there for that. Did you hear that? Ooh. We're so there for that. Find out if you're allowed to say it, and if you are, we'll put it out on the podcast, because okay. that will intrigue many. Okay. Is there anything else that you came to say, uh, Fazana, that you feel you didn't leave on the table that you need us to know?
4: Do you have anything else you want to say? <laughs> I, I wanted to do I'm a feminist, but... Oh, yeah. can I do that? You know I kind of feel like um, this is not that I'm gonna this is my preamble so that you'll be nice to me and laugh Um, because I kind of feel like you know when I grow up I'd like to be a stand-up comedian because they're so smart and like quick you know it takes me four years to write a novel anyway so we would love to write a novel just to be clear It's
0: so respectable but, what you I, do. I, I write and I be, rewrite and I... Anyway. My mother would be so proud
4: of you. I could... <laughs> Does she love that you have a book okay. out now? She... I mean...
2: <laughs>
0: you know. I mean, we can't put this in the podcast, but like, she's like, mm, I don't really know what you do. You know. No.
4: Okay. I'm a feminist, but... I watch a lot of bad television, you know, kind of as a a palate cleanser at the end of the day. And I feel bad about that because I feel like I could be listening to more feminist podcasts or reading more feminist books or even watching more feminist porn. (laughs) I don't even watch feminist porn. I end up watching a gazillion episodes of Friends. Which? How did I do? How was that? That's really good. Yes. <laughs> do you have a favourite episode of Friends? I feel like it's just noise in the background, frankly. It's just more, It's just but... how you do it. <laughs> As could I be any more dated? <laughs> You know, I, I've been watching it, like, a second time around because it came out, what, in the 90s, which is yeah. the first time around. Every Thursday night, there was Friends and oh, Seinfeld, yeah. right? It was a big deal. and We yeah. really all congregate around you the came fireplace home to watch it, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of feeling like I really relate to Phoebe this time around, oh. and I didn't before. I've become a lot more Phoebe-like over time. So I watched her very closely.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Who did you relate to the first time
4: around? N- None of them, you
0: know. <laughs> they were all having such great lives. And it was like, oh, it yes. has not been your day, your week, month, or year. Come they on. They had friends. You know, they, they had friends. They were hot. They had ridiculous apartments. Yeah, like I'm like, how could it be more, your day, your week, your month, or even your year? You constantly date a stream of incredibly good-looking people. I don't fucking know what you want you have rent control? I mean, it's been your day. You're all white. It's been your day, your week, your month, and your year, babe. You're all white. You're all straight. Come on. I mean, if it yeah. had gone on much longer, one of them would have come out. Yes. Actually, they did a lot of hinting that Phoebe was kinky. Did anybody else notice that? There's so many references to Phoebe and spanking. If you watch it, like, I would like to, someone to make a montage of them all. She's a Kingston. <laughs> Did you have a favorite friend?
1: Uh, a... Yeah, it was Kadidjo and Living Single. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: very fair. Very fair. You know what I was going to say, though, um, when the heckle was, what else can we do or what can we do to help? This is going to, especially since we're talking about television, feel free to cut this out, but I just wanted to say yeah. this. Um, re- not, maybe the last ep- season of Orange is the New Black. Do we watch yeah. Orange is the New Black? Yes. There, a major storyline had to do with FGM. Yes, and FGM. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was so great that they uh, brought awareness to it in that medium. And I think that when they do stuff like that, tell stories that are not normally told, especially within a bigger story, if we tweet and comment and write that we notice it, then they'll do it more. And they'll... <laughs> include these things in like mainstream things that we watch which a lot of people learn from, tele- you know, a lot of people get all of their information from the shows that they watch
0: that's a really good point point. and I always think if we don't support female driven drama they just say, oh see it, female driven drama doesn't work, Yeah. what they never do, if a male driven show bombs they never go, well that show's about men out they never make that assessment. No, absolutely. If a female superhero movie bombs, it's like, well, there's no more female superhero movies for 25 years. Mm-hmm. If a male superhero movie bombs, they give that same man who made it twice the budget mm-hmm. and say, we're sorry, it was our fault for only giving you $200 million when we sh- clearly should have given you $400 <laughs> Four. million. Dollars. It's a true story. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me and the Francis Johnson. And a the recording was Jonathan. music was by Mark Podge. The producer was Thomas Elinsky for the sponsor energy shop. Thanks to Johnny Borodenko, Tara Mitchman, and everyone at Down Music Hall. That's what it's all thank you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guilty And I did, I ran, I ran this past Zena backstage. I was worried this dress was a bit Handmaid's Wife. Do you know what I mean? Did anyone think that? Did anyone be like, mm, no. we didn't think she'd be so Handmaid's Wife?
1: No. Okay, fine. Do you want to know what my response was? I was like, I've never seen an episode. <laughs> that, which wasn't helpful because she can't, she doesn't know. But then I took pictures, I was like, you look amazing, and doesn't she?
0: It's new, you're the first people to see it. So, um, also don't buy anything, it's bad for the environment. Uh, So,
2: look at the water jug, there's no bottles here.
0: Now, uh, yes.